Would you pray with me? God, we wait on you today. Our hope is found in you. With all that we are in this place today, we are nothing without you. Jesus, move in this place. Move in the hearts of your people. Speak something new to us. We want to hear a fresh word from you, truth from you that maybe we've never seen before. God, and I pray that we would leave this place completely changed. Leave this place with something valuable that we didn't walk in with. But God, a gift that you give us in your word. Holy Spirit, fall in this place. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. How was everybody? Excellent. Man, I, I was standing backstage listening to just the music and you singing. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. To hear the people of God sing their affections to him is second to none. I, I, I come from a worship leader background, so man, when there's nothing like a church that engages in an expression of, of how they feel about Jesus. And it's incredible to stand in. Incredible to be a part of this church. I'm so honored that I get to, to be with you today and to continue in John chapter 11. I, I feel like I'm supposed to talk about the masters for some reason. I don't know why. Um, just, you know, every, everybody's, hey, have you watched the masters? Have you watched the masters? No, I have not watched a second of the masters. Tigers playing in the Masters, y'all. That's all I got. That's it. But we are going to talk about Jesus today, so that's good, right? Yeah, come on. All right. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter 11, and we got a lot to go through. There's a ton in this story, and I just want to say this. This, this story is fascinating, and I've, from, I mean, from Pastor Jason starting this, man, I have never looked at this passage of scripture like I've looked at it, and he kicked it off for me last, last uh, Sunday. I, I was in the 1115 in Jasper uh, listening to this message, and my eyes just blew open, and I, I can't wait to continue this uh, today and for God to continue to speak to us uh, through this, this passage and this specific story that's in scripture where Jesus makes some like just very intimate encounters with people that he loves, friends, which is so fascinating to watch Jesus's interaction with those that he's so close to because it gives us such an incredible picture of how he deals with us. And we have to understand this and we have to get this if, if we want to really engage in our relationship with Christ like we should, like, like we've been given the opportunity to not at, at arm's distance, but Jesus brings us in so close that he whispers to us. 
that, that he can put his arms around us. That's the, that is the relationship that we are supposed to have with Jesus, and this story brings that out. So I don't want you to miss it. So before we get into this, I, I, want, I, want, to, I want you to understand a few things. We have to put ourselves in this story. And in all of Scripture, the point of God's word for us is to examine ourselves against God's word. That's the point of Scripture, that God gives us the truth of his word so we get to examine who we are against who he is. And we discover things, very important, significant things about our, our inadequacies, about our sin, about our weakness, about our struggle. And then we get to step into this relationship with God and realize that he deals with none of those things. That's not who he is. But he invites us in to be a part of who he is. Out of our own weakness and struggle and into his victory. That's scripture. And today, as we continue to examine this story of Jesus and his interaction with a few specific people in this passage, we have to put ourselves in this passage. We're going to talk about two specific people. Their names are Mary and Martha. And we have to insert our name whenever their name comes up if we really want to grasp the gravity of this scripture in our own lives. Because if we don't, these are just stories. They're just characters. They're just far off people that lived in a far off land a long time ago that have no bearing on who we are, but just, it's just a good tale that we tell children. But if you want the power of scripture, you have to place yourself inside of the story and watch it come alive. The, the story that we're in right now is a very human experience. We're talking about death. Something every one of us have in common. We'll experience it as we encounter other people that we love who will pass away. And at some point, in some moment, that we have no clue when will come, it will happen to us as well. So if ever, was, if ever there was a human experience for Jesus to step into and for, for him to open up and help us understand, it's this one. And Jesus' truth that he reveals in these few passages should change us forever. Because it reveals how human we are, and how godly he is. Okay, are you ready? Come on now, are you ready? Yes. Let's dive in. John chapter 11, starting in verse 17, we're gonna go through verse 27. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb 
for four days. Pastor Jason talked about this last week. That is a long time. He is dead, dead. I mean, not the good kind of dead anymore. He is real dead. I don't know, there's not a good kind of dead. I'm sorry. That... He's, just, he's just real dead, okay? He's real, real dead. Verse 18, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Now, by this point, you know, the casserole dishes are, I mean, they're piling up in the kitchen, and you've got all these people that are coming, and, and if you ever, I mean, in the South, that's what happens when, when somebody passes away. You get every variety of macaroni and cheese that has ever been created gets brought to your house. That's just what happens. You gain like 20 pounds, all those carbs. But that's what happens, and that's where they are right now. They are in this point where like, it, he, he has already passed away and, and there has been time that has passed and people are coming by to console them and encourage them and support them. And I want us to understand something before we go any further that, that is so significant in this, in this passage. In verse 18, or verse 19, it says, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. The many that were coming had a capacity to do only one thing, which is not bad and incredible in this instance that people were coming by and they were loving on them and they were encouraging them, they were consoling them because they knew they were, they were grieving and in pain, which is such a powerful thing for us to do, that ministry of presence, for us to be able to step into moments and love on people when they're hurting. And man, we should take every, every chance we can to do that, to, to love on people when, when things are hard. But we have to understand right now where they are is they don't want somebody just to console them. And the people that are coming, that's all they have the capacity to do is console, to encourage. But there's one that's about to walk in a few minutes that has power beyond consoling, has power beyond encouraging, has power beyond just a nice word and some macaroni and cheese. Jesus is about to walk into the room and his capacity is to fix. His capacity is to resurrect. His capacity is to change everything about their reality that they currently sit in so that what they're grieving from, they no longer grieve from any, anymore. What they've lost gets restored. I want you to understand that as we look at this passage and we understand what's about to happen in such a significant way, Jesus is the only one that can do it. There's many that came, but there's only one that can fix. There's only one that can change 
the situation that they're in. Verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. So we're gonna stop there. Couple of things we have to understand about these two characters before we go any further. They're two distinct people. They react to what's going on in two very distinct ways. And we know that there's a a story later, if you know the story about uh, Martha and Mary, Jesus comes and and Martha's there and she's cleaning up the house and she's trying to make things presentable and all that kind of stuff. And and Mary just wants to hang out with with Jesus and, and, and Jesus steps in and says, you know, Mary has chosen the right thing to do. Because Martha goes to Jesus and says, listen, Jesus, I need, you to, I need you to tell Mary what's going on. She needs to get them to help me, right? So we see this personality difference in, in these, these two ladies in this passage. Martha is, is very much a go-getter. She's gonna step out there and she's gonna try to take this whole situation by the reins and, and, and get control of it. Make sure she's got a grasp on it and she wants to make everything better. Make her opinion known. And, and Mary, on the other side of things, she's very much a, a feeler. Mary is gonna sit back because she's experiencing the, the weight of her grief so much so that she's going against social norms. This is, this is very much against what would happen socially for her not to greet her guest that's coming. Now, I'm not gonna read too much into, into this specific passage because it doesn't say it, and I don't, I don't wanna in, interject it, but we know that, that Mary here is having an emotional response to her current situation. So much, to, so much so that she changes what she might normally do. She changes what, what her personality might normally do. She sits back and she, we don't know, I don't know if she's angry with Jesus. I can probably say maybe. I don't know if she's hurt with Jesus because she just had something that she wanted him to do and she didn't quite think he, he fulfilled her, her expectations. But we know that there is, there's an emotional response. And I want you to understand something. Both of those are okay. Both of these responses are okay because Jesus can handle them. We don't have to placate with Jesus. We don't have to clean things up for him even. We don't have to make things look a certain way. We can come to Jesus exactly like we are and he can handle you. He can handle me. He can handle when I'm frustrated, when I'm angry, when I'm upset. Because this whole story it's about expectations. And it's incredible that we're actually even preaching through this right now. Because this is Palm Sunday. If you know anything about Palm Sunday, 
This is the triumphal entry of Jesus into the east gate of Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, fulfilling prophecy all over the place. Zechariah 9, he's supposed to come in to Jerusalem on a, on a donkey. And Jesus, at this, on this very day that we, we celebrate Palm Sunday, Jesus rides into Jerusalem and he makes a specific statement by his actions and what he's doing that he is the Messiah. And the people in, in the city are crying, Hosanna, save us. And they have specific expectations for Jesus. They want him to be this conquering king that's gonna come and overthrow the Roman government and save them from their current circumstances and situation the way they want him to. They have expectations for Jesus. And we know how that plays out. Same crowd that cries Hosanna, cries crucify him. When expectations aren't met. When what What's supposed to happen doesn't happen. Things turn on a dime. And this is this moment. Mary and Martha have expectations for Jesus. They have something they wanted him to do, something that they thought that was his responsibility to do. Because they know he can. It's not that they don't believe that Jesus could have done it. He just didn't do it the way they thought he, he should. And his expectations, according to them, and their reaction that we see here, were unmet. And they're frustrated. But again, I want to remind you, Jesus is big enough to deal with with your expectations. He's big enough to deal with your frustrations. He's, he is big enough to deal with whatever you can throw at him because he's not bound by that. But he does love you. He does care about you. He does and will Fulfill everything beyond your expectations. But like Pastor Jason said, you, sometimes you gotta wait on it. And this moment in time is where Mary and Martha sit. This is the point in the story that you insert yourself. You ever had expectations for God? You ever had a moment in time where you thought God should have done something and he just didn't do it? God, I prayed. And I, I told you that if you would do this, I would go to church every Sunday and I would give 50% of everything that came in. Nobody ever said that, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but listen, we've all made those promises. God, if, if you'll do this, I'll do that. Like, like that was a binding contract with God. Like that's how it really happens. 
We've all made those things and had those expectations and thought that we made this blood covenant with God that he was going to fulfill things if we, we gave him, you know, this whatever over here, right? And we feel like that God didn't come through. That God didn't fulfill his end of the bargain. That God didn't step up to the plate like we thought he would. Like we've been told that he could. This is where Mary and Martha are. And I know that probably some of you are sitting in the same place. One way or another. Or maybe you have been there. Or maybe you will be there. The thing about this passage is if, if we get it, we will understand exactly God's plan for us. I told you this was a, a fascinating passage because it is, it is a very human interaction that Jesus has with, with Mary and Martha, but Martha in particular. Because Jesus has a conversation with Martha that it's just amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Because Martha has a bone to pick with Jesus. Mary stayed back in the house. She didn't necessarily want to see Jesus right then. But Martha, she had a bone to pick with him. She went running out, not necessarily to, to meet him and hug him and say, oh, I'm so glad you're here. That's not, that's not really what happened. Martha had something to say to Jesus that, that he needed to hear. Jesus had some explaining to do. And Martha was gonna make sure that Jesus explained his actions. So she went running out to him. And this is what happened. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Bone to pick. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha comes back and said, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha's interaction here is amazing for one reason. Not only does she have a bone to pick, but she gets real passive aggressive on Jesus. And if you don't, if you don't read your Bible this way, you need to, okay? Because I think sometimes, we're gonna pause for a second, pause for the message, we'll come back in a minute. I think we read the Bible wrong a lot of times. We, we go to the Bible and we read this somewhat monotone. There ain't nothing monotone about what's going on right here. This woman's mad. She's upset. And she's trying to keep some decorum about what she's saying to Jesus. But she is upset and she is going to let Jesus know it. And she goes to him and says, Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Did you know that? I don't know if you knew that or not, but he wouldn't have. And Jesus comes back and says to her, 
He's not going to die. It's, it's going to be fine. And she said, I know Jesus. I know. I know. You told me this before. On the resurrection day, he's going to rise again along with everybody else. I know how this works. So she keeps telling Jesus exactly what's supposed to happen. She keeps, I mean, super passive aggressive. If you're taking notes today, I, I want to get to this real quick. And I want to write this down. We're going to unpack it a little bit. Just like Martha, whatever you think Jesus can do, it's too small. Whatever you think Jesus can do, it is way too small. And this goes back to the, you know, can God make a rock he can't move? Well, yeah. And then he can move it. Do I get that? No. But whatever, you, whatever concept of this Jesus that you have is too small, period. Because he doesn't live under your expectations or my expectations. Because if, if Jesus has limits, and if Jesus is based on, on our humanness and not his godliness, we're not worshiping Jesus. Do you understand that? If Jesus is based on, on my limitations or my humanness or any humanness whatsoever, and it's not based on his godliness, we are not worshiping the correct Jesus. We're worshiping some construct of him that we've made up. Some religious construct of who Jesus is. And that's not Jesus. Because he has no limitations, he is not bound by your circumstances. He's not bound by my circumstances. He is not bound by our limitations. Those are way too small. He goes beyond anything that we can imagine. And in this, in this small interaction with Martha, Jesus plainly says to him, I'm gonna bring you into life. And she's like, well, you missed that. You missed it, Jesus. He dead now. But that was, her, that was her whole construct of what Jesus could do. She believed that Jesus could have saved him before he died, but afterwards, I saw her, Jesus can't do anything now. How many times do we believe that? It's all over with. Jesus can't do anything now. And since Jesus can't do anything now, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep Jesus at arm's length a little bit. I'm not gonna obey him. I'm not gonna do what he asked me to do because, you know, I, I just don't know if Jesus is everything he thought he, I thought he was. Jesus says a phrase in this next verse. Don't put it up yet. Don't put it up yet. Hold on. This next phrase that he says to Martha changes her life and should change ours in the most profound way. And I don't mean like, like change it like I just feel better about Jesus. It should change it to the point that it changes everything about us. Everything about who we are and, and what we do and how we operate and how we engage with other people how our marriages, our work, our life, everything, it should change the whole dynamic of our reality because this is about, this is what, she, what Jesus is about to do with Mary, Martha. 
Good night. A lot of M words. Watch this. I'm gonna go back. Martha said to him, I know that he will raise again in, on the resurrection, in the resurrection on that day. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. You hear me, anybody? Come on. Woo! Y'all are as excited about it as I am. I mean, mic drop moment. He just drops this bomb on her. Says, Martha, you don't understand who you're talking to. This re- you don't even know what this resurrection you're talking about. It's not some specific day far off. What will happen on that day is because of me. The resurrection that will happen on that day that you're talking about has nothing to do with a period of time, the passing of time. It has every to, everything to do with what's gonna come out of my mouth and what I'm gonna command to happen. I am the resurrection and the life. Now, I want you to just picture Martha's head exploding at this point because that's just what happened. She just got her whole reality turned up upside down. She's finally realizing who she's talking to because here's the deal. There's no limits to what Jesus can do and she just got that, that harsh reality. Well, actually, incredible reality. That Jesus doesn't have a limit of time and space based on her circumstances, situation, and human limits. Jesus blows right past that stuff. Because not only at this instant could Jesus, by his very words, resurrect her brother, but he could resurrect everybody in history and everybody that was about to come too, just like that. No limits. His godliness does not have boundaries. And the scales from Martha's eyes are coming off. She's beginning to see Jesus for exactly who he is. Now, what does this mean? What does this mean for us? What do I do with that, Chad? If, if God doesn't have any limits and, and what I think he can do is too small, what we have to understand, the second point if you're writing this down, is that when Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. The atmosphere shifts. Our reality becomes something different. And what I mean by walking in the room is that when somebody walks into the room, especially a close room, you have to have a, an interaction with them or it gets weird real fast, right? Like if, if you just cower in the corner like this and there's somebody standing over there and you're like, I don't see you, it gets weird real fast. But when Jesus walks into the room, we have to, it, it, there has to be an encounter. Things begin to change. The whole atmosphere of what happens changes. And Jesus specifically 
when he comes on the scene and he begins to display his godliness in our lives, the whole paradigm of our reality shifts. It changes. And if before, like Martha, we had this small concept of what Jesus can do, if we, if we had this mind direction, for lack of a better term, of, of who Jesus is, then when he walks into the room and we begin to see who he is for all that he is, life has to change. Life has to shift. And it is the concept of repentance which is such a powerful concept that I don't know that we talk about much or enough. Because repentance is going one way and completely turning around and going a different way. Because that's really the only reaction we can have to Jesus. If we see him for all that he is and all that he can do. The only reaction we can have is a complete 180. Repentance and turning around and going a complete different way than we were going before based on this new reality that we understand about Jesus. I gotta hurry. Martha was so focused on her circumstances in the moment that she couldn't see Jesus for all he was. And Jesus gives her the reaction that she should have to him, not one of limitations. But listen what he says in the second part, uh, part of, of verse 25. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. He shows, he even shows Martha exactly what to do. From her former mindset to her current mindset of no limitations, Jesus. From limitations, Jesus, to no limitations, Jesus, Jesus even has to tell her exactly what to do with that. And he tells us too, and if, and if we can step into this mode of operation, then we will see and experience who God is in our life for all that he is. Believe. Put your trust in me. Stop with the expectations because I'm gonna blow you away every single time. Stop having expectations for Jesus, he says to her, and just believe. Stop holding on to things so tight and having these things that you want me to do and just let go and say, Jesus, whatever. Whatever you want, wherever you want, I'm all in. Whatever you say, I will do. 
Wherever you go, I'll follow. Jesus, whatever you want. And then we get to lockstep with Jesus and experience those things that will happen in our life that are unexplainable. That go way beyond what we have constructed in our mind as the end all be all. And Jesus gets to step in and say, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one that's gonna overcome your sin. I am the one that's gonna overcome your struggling marriage. I am the one that's gonna overcome your financial hardships. I am the one that's gonna step in and I am going to heal your heart and heal your soul and I'm going to give you the same thing I'm gonna give Lazarus and that's eternal resurrection. Come on. Verse 26, and if anyone who lives and believes in me, anyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus asked her a really important question, the most important question ever. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Again, insert your name into this story. Because Jesus is not only asking Martha, he's asking me and he's asking you this same question. Do you believe this? Because this is the only question. There is no other question with the weight and importance that this question has for any of us that will experience death or anything human at all. Do you believe this? That Jesus is who he says he is. That he can do what he says he can do. Last point. There's nothing else to believe in but Jesus. And you say, Chad, well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it does. It makes the most sense, actually. Because if you take belief and you stack it on anything else that we believe in, it crushes it every single time. Because the nature of that word says that I can believe in it, I can trust in it, that it's not going to fail me. There is nothing else but Jesus in this world that you can trust in. Nothing. Not a human, not a job, not how much money you got, not how smart you are, not a church, not a pastor. Every one of those things is going to fail you at some point. You know what's not gonna fail you? Anybody? Thank you. Jesus. Jesus is the only thing we can believe in. 
Everything else we put stock in is gonna fail us. Now listen to Martha's response. Verse 27, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Martha started out this story wanting to be the Lord of Jesus' life. She did. She went out there telling him exactly what he needed to do and exactly how he was gonna do it, how it was gonna play out. Martha wanted to be the Lord of Jesus' life. Tell him where to go and what to do and how to do it the whole nine yards. And when, when he didn't live up to her expectations, Jesus gets chastised. She started out the Lord. She ended up the child. Because there's only one rightful place for Jesus to be, and that is the Lord of your life. He is the only one that has the authority and the ability to call the shots. He's the only one that has the correct position and power to direct us in the right way. And why is that? Two things. One, because of his greatness, his firstness, his godliness. And the second one is his great love for us. That's who he is. That's what he does. He loves you beyond what you can see. He loves you enough to delay, like Pastor Jason said, so that your expectations get blown out of the water and his expectations get inserted. So that his will can be fulfilled and not our limited perspective expectations. Today, I'm gonna ask you the same question that Jesus asked Martha, the only question. Do you believe? Pray with me. God, I pray for anybody in this room that has not seen you for all that you are. And for the first time, they understand that maybe the Jesus that they thought of in their mind wasn't right, but it was based on some limitation of who Jesus should be. If that's you today, and for the first time, the answer to that question is like Martha's, yes, 
I believe that you are the Christ who's come into the world. I want you to do something real simple. I just want you to pray with me real quick. There's nothing magical about this prayer. I'm just, I'm just helping you have a conversation with God. And it goes like this. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. Thank you that you love me so much that you sent Jesus to me to be my salvation, to open up my eyes to who you are and what you can do. God, from this day forward, I give you my life. Whatever you want, I'll follow you. Now, if you prayed that with me today, I want you to do one simple thing. We got people that wanna give you a Bible just to help you start this journey with Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to just, as boldly as you can right now, lift your hand in there. Thank you. Now, for anybody else, maybe you, there was a point in time that, that you surrendered. You believed like Martha. You believed that Jesus is who he says he is. But for some reason, along the way, we started putting limits and boundaries around who Jesus is and what he can do. I want you to do something really powerful today. And that's repent. And say, God, I am sorry that I have put these limits on you. I'm sorry that I've put these expectations of what you should do and who you should be. I don't want to be the Lord of your life anymore. I want you to be the Lord of mine. I repent of that and I turn from it and I walk away. God, thank you that you deal with us gently, patiently as your sons and daughters. God, I pray that we would walk out of here with a different Jesus than maybe we walked in. Allow him to do what he wants to do in our life, no matter what, that we give him all control, that we just step into obedience and allow him to do things beyond our expectations. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, church.